Today on the show, Radical Ones, we have a special bonus episode with award-winning director, writer, and producer, Ansel Farage. It's time to get radical. Hello there. It's showtime. What is this, trick-or-treat? Did I do that? Good morning, Charlie. Gotten a Susie. The power is yours. Get down, honey, get down! And look, I won't go far, okay? If the apocalypse comes, beat me. My name is Grace Jones. Thunder! 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 Hello, Radical Ones. Welcome back to the show. Today, I am very excited and humbled to welcome award-winning director, screenwriter, and producer, Ansel Farage, to the show. Thank you so much for being here. Thank you for having me. That just that introduction made me sound impressive. I'm like, I'm just a guy. <laughs> to me, what you've done, being a self-taught filmmaker, and then starting at the age of six, knowing what you want to do, to me, that's extremely impressive. Well, thank you. Thank you. Hey, uh, I, uh... <sighs> yeah. <laughs> you just do you, right? You just do <laughs> me. Yeah, I don't really, you know, think about it. Or I try not to think about it uh, anymore. If I ever have thought about it, it's just kind of happens and just keeps happening luckily for us. So right at the start, appropriately, you are named after photographer Ansel Adams. Yeah. Is, so this is true, this, this information. True. Uh, this is true. Um, so the, the story is uh, my dad was drunk and watching Ken Burns, the Civil War, and at some point got a wild hair up and thought, oh, I'm going to name him Ulysses after Ulysses S. Grant. And thank wow. God. That, that did not happen because um, what a name to be bared with and uh, instead there was an Ansel Adams exhibit in Los Angeles and uh, my parents saw the advertisement for it on Santa Monica Boulevard and they're like oh okay and uh, you know growing up I got I got the Zoolander oh Hansel he's so hot right now <laughs> <laughs> and I used to say, there's no H. The H is the middle name. But um, now it's all good, you know. A fellow H. I love a good H in the middle name. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. For the listeners out there, I feel like Ansel and I came to know each other really over Dark Shadows, the original gothic soap opera classic, of course. And that's really what I first knew about Ansel, and then going through his filmography the last few days in, in preparation for this, I am just blown away with, honestly, what you have achieved. Because uh, to me, as a kid watching Dark Shadows, much like you, when you started out, you know, watching it, to, to do that to me was a dream, and you're actually living it. So 
I, I just love this, honestly. Truly, truly, truly. <laughs> Thank you. I mean, you're not the first that's told me that. Um, I, Mark Perry, who's developing the new Dark Shadows uh, reincarnation TV show, has told me the same, and I'm just like... It, it just happened. It's just—it's not like you know. I had some elaborate strategy to yeah. to uh, fall into. That's I even I tell the the cast. I'm like, I was lucky. I'm so lucky that I fell in with you guys, and you're just this crazy extended family that I'm very lucky to have. Rather than you know some Machiavellian Doctor Mabuse strategy of I'm gonna get them. Um, yeah, it's um, it's it's surreal uh it's made me <laughs> it, it gives me like pause when i do watch the show now because it's like i see them th- through the characters i see all their ticks and nuances and things that are like who they really are and um, comes out it gives me anxiety and stress when they can't when a line when they go up on a line or something because i'm like oh god i i understand the the panic and the pain that they're going through. Um, yeah, it's weird. I don't think about it. I do my best not to think about it because yeah. Also, I mean, also it's, it's like, I don't want to be an egotistical lunatic and <laughs> think about Which it. Which is great. Great. I mean, that's always wonderful. Staying grounded. Yeah. Yeah. Especially in this industry, especially here in LA. Uh, that has a lot to do with it. just my upbringing here in Los Angeles with all the, the, the phoniness, the phoniness is, is toxic. And uh, I can so, imagine. Wow. and there's so many people that are just talkers and talkers and they're full of shit. And so I, I do my best to, to try not to be that person because I can't stand that person. Like you're, you're setting a new standard then. I, well, <laughs> <laughs> Going forward, this is how it should be. <laughs> yeah, I try. I try. Okay, so this is amazing for the listeners out there. Not only did Ansel have this passion at six, but to get back into the Dark Shadows thing for a little while, you literally reached out yourself through emails and and things like that to the actors personally now again how many people out there would have the the gutso and and the and the you know to do that Uh, Catherine always tells me she goes i get you know a hundred emails a day and then some uh from all kinds of people asking all kinds of crazy questions and she goes and i don't know what possessed me to open your email and read it and respond to it. I don't know why. I still don't know why, but something made me do it. So life is funny. <laughs> extremely, <laughs> extremely. Um, yeah, I mean it I, God, I don't want to like get way too metaphysical, but it's like there there is such a thing as luck. Uh, it does exist it's uh i mean i can't explain it i can't explain i can't explain it it just like i keep saying it happened it just happened i i had a script that i wrote uh when i was a teenager and um then i was uh 19 going on 20 and i said i'm gonna do this uh 
you know, prove my dad wrong that uh, I don't need to go to college and I don't need film school because I've been doing it for so many years. Also, I should uh, include that I, 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 yeah, I'm from Los Angeles, but I have no yes. industry connections. I don't have family members or friends in the industry. Uh, being in this industry is very difficult, incredibly difficult. There are so many people out there wanting and trying and struggling. Yes. Um, and a lot of it does, you know, run on nepotism. Um, and uh, so I, I have, I have none of that. I'm, I didn't even go to film school. Um, I taught myself. So anyway, uh, my dad was like, you know, even if you go to like UCLA extension or something like just, you know, cause my dad is of an older generation where you, you do school and then you get a job and this is how things work. And the film industry does not operate, never operated in a traditional model. Truly going on right now with, with the, it's in shambles, but going back to the topic. Um, anyway, I, I said, let me try this. I had already met Nathan Wilson and we'd done a, a comedy together. And I said, well, he could play, inspector loman and so i have a lead that can do this part but um so i emailed Catherine, and like she said i don't know why i opened and responded to this thing but she did and we met i was having a casting session in um west hollywood at, at a casting facility and um sophia cope no spike jones was over in the, <laughs> in the how testing something and um she came in and that was really scary because here is maggie surreal i could imagine at first i mean the first time yeah and and i was very young and um i i had i mean i had worked with lyndon childs who was sort of my my mentor a very early age or, or at least at the end of my teenage or teenage years um, and he'd worked with Alfred Hitchcock. He was on the pilot of the Munsters. He did Twilight Zone. He did, he did everything. He's on the final episode of the Golden Girls. So the, uh, he's everything he did. And Ooh, uh, that now that's a legacy to you. Go from like, Hitchcock yeah. to the Golden Girls. Yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> and he was he was a a great old hippie type actor that just did not give a shit and would tell you the truth about Hollywood and and. Uh, so he was, I mean, the first time I directed him, I was very nervous because I was like, he worked for Alfred Hitchcock. Like Hitchcock directed him personally in Marnie and like, oh boy, now I got to like tell him what to do and I'm going to be incompetent and we're in my garage and, and Lyndon was the kindest, most generous guy. I mean, he gave me so much self-confidence that, you know, you can't you can't be give actually you can't be given self-confidence you have to earn it and learn it if that is not the truest statement ever honestly <laughs> it's it is and he he gave me that venue to 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 earn it and um i i'd worked with a professional actor and i i knew nate because he'd done this comedy for me anyway so Catherine was the first she comes in She's Maggie Evans, you know, a, a little, a little bit older because Catherine looks amazing. And uh, truly, every time I see pictures, I'm like, my God, she's, what a she's beautiful got a portrait up in the attic somewhere. <laughs> yeah, it's aging for uh, her. Yeah, and even then, I think it's that portrait's probably still also looking good. But like, you know, it's Maggie Evans with blonde hair, and um, and uh, I'm just like staring at her, and um, 
she'd read the script and uh, her character. Now I wrote, I wrote the script. I wrote, I wrote Dr. Mobuzo for Jerry Lacey and everything. Which again, another, I mean, the names, the names, shadows (laughs) fans. Yeah. Uh, His voice is scary. You know, he used to scare the crap out of me as Reverend Trask. I would, I would just like, he was the scariest thing on that show. Truly. And so in the zone. Human. Yeah, and he's human. That's what makes him even more scary. You know, there's nothing more frightening than, than a, a lunatic man with power, as we know very well. I wrote the part imagining Jerry Lacey. Never thought, never thought. I had these two psychic witchy sisters um, that I imagined, you know, in an ideal world, or Kathleen Lee Scott and Laura Parker, never thought. So Catherine read the script. She knew the character and her character jumps from something at some point in the film. And she said to me, uh, how are you planning to do this? Because I've already leapt before. And I was <laughs> wow. Okay. And I was just like, well, and then I explained, you know, you'll stand on an apple crate and you'll do this. And then I'll put the camera here and then that and, and explain to her all the practicalities of how I, intended to shoot this film in my garage with a blue screen cyclorama. Okay. That's what I was going to, is there blue screen around this garage? Okay. The entire film was shot blue screen. Um, And then I put in the world behind them after the fact. And she was like, okay, okay. And, uh, and she said, yes. And then um, uh, Jerry Lacey, I found, I messaged him. I didn't hear from him for like a month and then he got back to me and I was, I held a couple auditions for, for, cause I was like, well, I got, I'm going to make this movie now. It's happening. Like the train has left the station. Um, but then he got back to me and said, I just, I just saw this. Uh, I don't even know what this is, if this is happening, but I'm sort of intrigued. He also thought it was a short film. Um, he did not know that, that Catherine was now, in discussion with me. Oh, amazing. Oh, wow. And uh, so then, uh, and he's married to Julia Duffy too. So, I, you know, so I, calls, I just like the smile I'm having, just hearing <laughs> you talk about these names and you talk communicating with them. It's just, Oh, um, yeah. I mean, it's, but they're, they're just like, they're just people. They're just like, Jerry is just Jerry. Jerry is like this cool dad that, that like explains to me, how to do my taxes and things like that. <laughs> um, <laughs> Amazing. Um, anyway, he called, he says, I uh, send me what you've written and then we'll talk. I will call you on this day at this time. Okay. I send him the script. The script is like a hundred pages. So then I get a phone call. I remember it was like a Wednesday night and I was about to eat dinner. I get a phone call. I answer the phone. And I, Hello, this is Jerry Lacey. I'm like, oh my god! <laughs> and uh, he goes, I thought this was a short film, um, and I got a hundred pages. And my wife and I, and I didn't know that it was Julia Duffy at the time. My wife and I are intending to go to Italy in June, but I like this, so convince me. And I'm like. You're like, I'm just about to eat dinner. <laughs> <laughs> now I'm battling yeah. for my life. 
So I did. I I just went into my spiel and talked to him and explained him how I was going to do all this stuff, you know. He's like, uh-huh, uh-huh, I see, uh-huh, with that, you know, that voice. And, um, and so I, I seemingly convinced him, and then at the very end I knew, okay, this is my this is my ace in the hole. And he says, well, who else is in the film? And I'm like, well... Uh, your castmate, Catherine Lee Scott, and well, I didn't talk like that. I was like a kid, so it was it was more filled with terror. But I see Catherine Lee Scott's in the film, and she's gonna play this character. Oh, she is. Oh, okay, okay. Well, let me get back to you. I'm like, okay. I have to talk it over with my wife. And then the next day, he emailed me, and he goes, "Well, I guess we won't be going to Italy." Wow. So, and then it just kind of snowballed and snowballed. And then suddenly Fangoria magazine was interviewing me and putting it on the cover. And, um, I went from being like this, like introvert kid, you know, wanting to make movies and making, well, I was making, I was always making movies and so making movies with my action figures and then with my friends from school. Yes. The yeah, action figures. Yep. Movies. Classic. Yeah. yeah. Uh, I did a sequel to The Bride of Frankenstein with all my Universal Monster Sideshow toy figures. It was really cool. Amazing. I'd still like to do that for real one day um, in black and white. And uh, anyway, uh, I went from just this kid in my room, you know, to suddenly this thing is happening and we made the movie. So... I mean, this is fate, it sounds like. Like, like you're saying, you know, how things happen. Like, it's it's amazing that I'm actually flabbergasted by that in a great way. And that, so it kind of forced you to come out of your childhood movie making like, style. Okay, it's happening. It's happening. It's happen- so. And you were at this age good. now, you were. I was 20. Wow. I was 20. I couldn't drink when we made the movie. I turned 21 when I was editing. So by the time the film premiered, so then that was a whole thing. Cause then it's like, okay, now you're going to, now we're going to, now it's Catherine introduces me to Jim Pearson and who, you know, runs the, the dark shadows enterprise for MPI. Blah, blah, blah. And, um, they're like, we want a trailer to show in New York. And I'm like, okay. And, uh, wow. so put a trailer together and then, yeah, it just, it just kept going and going and going and going. And all this attention that I was not used to was not prepared for suddenly got not foistered upon me, but it just like, there were, a spotlight got turned on and suddenly I had to deal with it and um, and I had no I don't want to say I didn't have any guidance because Catherine and Laura and Jerry to some degree but Catherine particularly did their and Lyndon too because Lyndon gave me some great he goes just remember it's all bullshit just be you and uh, you know they'll like you till they don't like you Mm-hmm. Very, very true. Uh, I learned that lesson shortly thereafter. But anyway, so then the, the, they put together this premiere, and it was that following summer. The Tim Burton Shadows film had already come out, so now there was even more hoopla around this whole thing. Um, and we, I said to everybody, "I'm so ballsy. I can't believe I did that." I'm like, "But, but it was. It was designed as a two-part film. There was a there was already <laughs> a sequel sort of outline." And so I said, "If you say yes to this, you have to come back for this." And there was about five or six cast members that were told this because it's like you, your story will continue. 
and so then we made the sequel and I was totally in over my head and it was my I, in my head I'm like okay this is going to be like a big Robert Altman ensemble cast and we're going to do all this crazy stuff that I have no idea how I'm going to do it I have no money at all to do this literally no money people say we have no money no I had no money no money at all for either film and wow. um, and then we went to Comic Con and we debuted the trailer for the second film at Comic-Con at the Famous Monsters of Filmland panel. And it was myself and Kathleen Lee Scott and Laura Parker. It was the first time I was at Comic-Con. And I was just like, I've always dreamt of this. Like, I remember watching Zack Snyder on the Watchmen panel, like, in your early YouTube days. My goodness, like, my God. Now I'm here. What? <laughs> What's happening? So there's probably nothing that will like shock you and or unnerve you at this point, right? With the yeah, filmmaking world, I can imagine. I've learned quite a bit. I've learned. I've learned the game. I've learned. I went behind the looking glass and I've seen behind the curtain, and I know the truth. And I know it's all a game, and I know it's all. You know, you're selling products. You're the fun is the making the film, the pre-production, the getting ready to do it, the anticipation. What is what is this going to be like? And then you're you're in the trenches and you're doing it. And that's great too. Um, I learned quickly, you know, the publicity, the marketing, the, the show, because you do put on a show. Uh, people have invented who I am and that's not me. You know, there's an identity and Catherine prepared me for that. She goes, they're going to think you're one thing when you're not that at all. That's why Lyndon told me, wow, well, be you remember who you actually are because this is not real. And uh, that's probably the biggest lesson. This is not real. None of this is real. So when I learned that and then I was able to, because it was difficult. It was difficult. I'm not going to lie. It was difficult and uh, not traumatizing, but I had to quickly like get with it and um, um, understand, you know, the good and the bad because there is bad. Uh, oh, I could only imagine. I mean, of course, we think of the glitz and the glam yeah. and the Hollywood. There's a but... price that. There is definitely just like, you know, um, so I had to learn all of that and um, adjust my mindset to that. And then once I got through that, um, I was better. I was I was prepared in the way that I hadn't been prepared back then. So now it's all like, okay, I got to do this thing. All right, well, we're going to go, you know, screen the movie. The, the premiere, uh, pre I've never been so damn terrified in my life for a premiere as I was that first film. And now it's like, okay, here we go. You know, two years and 80 minutes later, it's going to be, you know, whatever. But, um, wow, that is a story. So do you think, though, that... I mean, honestly, they could make a movie about that. Do you think, though, not coming from that filmmaker's schooling, though, honestly, it seems like it might have helped you in a way to shield no. you from certain things or no? No, no. Um, it doesn't because it, no. Uh, I've met several people that like a friend of mine went to USC film school and he tells me, I'm like, what the hell did they teach you there? They didn't teach you shit. Like, you literally don't know what I'm even talking about. Like, and you went to, like, the most prestigious film school in the world, mm. and you don't know what I'm talking about. And he's like, yeah. I... But, no, nothing can prepare you. You know, they te they don't teach you how to make a film. They teach you how to not make a film. They teach you. From what I've, what I've heard from other people, I mean, there was this other guy that I knew 
I went to film camp. That's really sad. Ooh, film camp. Don't don't make that like sound like it's great. You know, that's like really embarrassing that I bring it up. But like one summer when I was in junior high, there was like a film camp that happened. And so I was all gung-ho for that at the time then because I was like, oh, yeah, I can go make another movie. So I, I, you know, stayed kind of friends with this one guy that also wanted to make movies. He ended up going to Chapman and now he works in like an office, a veterinarian office. Wow. Okay. You know, graduated. Complete opposite. Yeah. Well, so no film school. I don't know what they teach you there. Uh, It's not worth it. Best film school is to just get a camera and start and teach yourself, make a film like Tarantino says. I mean, that's a cliche answer, but it is the truth, but it won't teach you what comes after. That is something because you also, I mean, I don't want to, again, sound, I'm going to sound very highfalutin. My mom's from the South. So, you know, some of these terms come out. But like, yeah, you can make a film, but then can you follow up? Can you sustain? Of course, the next. They're always looking for your next, and what if, you can do next. If you have nothing behind you, you're definitely not going to last, especially here in L.A. Um uh, if you have nothing behind you, even just uh, personally, just getting through the ringer, because you get put through the ringer. I was totally like not prepared for that. Um, the battering that comes along. You as were fresh-faced 20-year-old. Yeah, and I had no idea what's... what. I was like, I, I, I used to watch my movies on my TV in my room, and now it's on a 60-foot screen, and there's all these people. The line that went around the theater was just... We were all like, oh, my... Nate was like, whoa, this is this is, this is is real. Um, so, yeah, I mean, nothing... Whatever I can say is still, like, not even close to like the actual feeling and nothing can prepare you. Nothing can teach you how to deal with that. You just gotta, I mean, that's why you see so many people fall into drugs and alcohol and fall yes. apart because it's, yes, it's tough. It's tough and it's brutal and it's unrelenting, unrelenting. And people do not give a shit. People will tell you, people will tell you it's great. People will tell you you're a fucking piece of shit. You know, they, they, they don't care especially in the internet day and age. So, Oh, the internet is just a brutal, it's like going to war. That, yeah. that, and making internet. a film is already going to war. Just making a film by itself, putting your passion putting into something and your that, passion, yeah. putting what little savings you have into it, putting everything, your blood, sweat, tears. Um, yeah, that's, that's, I feel like I've rambled enough about that, but it's, no, I mean this is this is all amazing. This knowledge that people our our sophisticated audience here. You get, see, you get this highfalutin speech over here. <laughs> they're used to this New York voice with this thick accent who can't speak, and now they're getting this. I love that voice, by the way. That's a great. I I'll sometimes do my own New York voice when I get all. Oh, you got you know, one I, too. I gotta do it. You know, I have all these characters that run around in my head. I gotta. I got a, a Brooklynese landlady that I wrote a script. I was about. just gonna say you're from Brooklyn. <laughs> Yeah, Alma of the apartment. That will happen one day. Oh, good one. And she talks just right up here, just like Fran Drescia. And she's, you know, <laughs> you're, you're, you're late on your rent. Anyway, I won't. She probably has some cats too. Right. And she's got a son that she calls. Thank um, you. Thank you. So you mentioned your father. Your father. 
your follow-ups. That's something I honestly love in a lot of your work because I noticed that you'll have characters reappear, sequels. As a matter of fact, I'm really um, excited to ask you about the Will and Liz potential sequel that I noticed um, listed. But is that something that you find satisfying being able to go back to a character you started in one place and then like, you know what, I'm bringing them back again and we're going to continue this, this tale, which is something I don't think a lot of filmmakers do or get a chance to do. Yeah. On the flip side, you have the Marvel movies where it's just an endless, oh. of, you know, the repeating characters of Star Wars and stuff. But, um, uh, I mean, Yeah, I mean it depends upon it depends upon the character. It depends upon um well, okay, you know, staying on Dr. Mabuza for a moment. Yeah, I, I everybody kept I, making the sequel was not a good experience at all. It really wasn't. It was it just wasn't. It was a nightmare uh to say it candidly. But I and I was young. Um but then everybody kept saying, "Oh my god, you know, you got to make a third one. You got to make a third one. You got to make a third one." Like, why? Um, and they, they want during, the maboose. They want it, you know. They gotta have the. So then, during the pandemic, and or really, yeah, the start of twenty twenty, and and the world and the country, particularly, was in chaos. I started thinking about, wow, this is something that Mabuza himself would approve of. Just, just the state of the world that we're in right now. What would he have to say? And then my mind just started well also i have to say i mean oh god i'm bragging there was an interest from a major studio that wanted to do another one and i developed several drafts to do it and they wanted it to be like fast and furious and i'm like no it's not that it's not a i understand why you want that because then the studio can understand how to mark but it's not that um i would never even put those like fast pace or anything together with that they they wanted a total action movie and i'm like no, I'll try, but it it's just doesn't. The material does not match that. So I had been thinking of, well, what could be, what could be, but I never really gave it much serious thought. And then you know we were in the middle of hell, and I said, what would Mabuz have to say about this? And then I started thinking, and then I I realized this is actually an opportunity now because there's something. I don't want to spoil stuff for people, but. A, Something occurs to a major character that then causes a change. And I, ne- I, you know, in the 10 years since making that first film, I was like, I never gave that character an opportunity to do something. And um, um, so then I just started thinking and thinking, I'm like, okay, this is going to be a very small, we're not going to, we're going to roll the opposite of my Altman-esque second film where it was just huge unwieldy huge and do a very tight this is what needs to be what what do these characters exactly need to say to each other and um and so it gave me an opportunity to to now take all of the the skill sets and the experience that i had been through in the decade of doing it for real yes and go back and and give it one more go and kind of uh do a mature piece. And so I got to do that. And that's the one I'm the proudest of. And uh, we won the Rondo. 
you know, for, for that, for best short film. So yeah, I mean, that was, that was a very, you know, specific thing, but then there's like other characters that, I don't know, sometimes they just start talking to me and I'm like, oh, okay. And either they have something worthwhile to, to say, or I'm like, I don't need to put myself through that again. <laughs> So are you constantly writing, by the way? This is what I'm getting a feeling of. Are you constantly thinking of ideas? Oh, yeah. Always? Wow. So then it's a battle to to which idea what, comes What am to I going to like spend the next two years of my life dealing with? And what can I afford? Wow. Okay. So, yeah. All right. So since I mentioned Will and Liz, this is from 2018. Yeah. You mentioned Nathan, so your frequent, frequent collaborator, Nathan Wilson. Did you meet on that first film then? We met, uh, I did a comedy before we did Mabuza film. And okay. He auditioned and he was just really good. And uh, we just got on and uh, the, the comedy wasn't a particularly good film. I was like 19 years old and there was a couple people on that that were just not professional so they didn't make it that great of an experience but he and i got on well and um originally i pitched him a superhero script and then i couldn't crack it i had the ideas but i couldn't i couldn't figure out how to do it but i had mabuza you know literally in the drawer and i'm like uh i got this other thing if you want to play a detective in like a film noir and he's like okay send that to me so then, um, yeah, Nate is just Nate. I mean, he's like, he's my older brother. Like we're, we're very, uh, we're very close. And, uh, uh, I needed, I needed always somebody, you know, when I was growing up, always wanted an actor to have. And he, he always, you know, when he was growing up, he needed somebody to film him. <laughs> and both we, worlds. Yeah. So then we just, you know, like collides and, um, and uh, I think we make a very good team. We have a lot of the same interests and a lot of the same likes. And, you know, we, we, we spend way too much just talking and finishing each other's sentences and just like about anything and everything. And um, I was just so tired of making horror. I mean, we'd done a couple horror films and some thrillers and uh, uh, the detective Adam Sarah films and stuff. And I, I, wanted to just prove to everybody i was not just a horror guy a thriller guy a genre guy let's call it a genre yes a genre filmmaker yeah uh extraordinaire (laughs) (laughs) and um and so i i i pitched him uh this idea for a love story and he's like yeah let's write it so then we wrote it and then the idea was okay if this is crap like we're not going to tell anybody about this. Like we will, we will cast some girl, and we will be kind enough to give her the footage. But we're not going to if if like none of this is working, we just won't say anything to anyone because you know everybody like to make a normal a normal film. Yes, you know it's very very tricky because you have to be real. There is nothing the audience knows more and understands more than reality. We live in reality. So making Fortunately, a, 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 yeah, a 1930s film noir gothic extravaganza, you can you can have fun with that. But this is this is life, and people know how people behave. So 
true. It was a great challenge. It was so much fun. We were very lucky. We got uh, this actress, Christine Tucker, who just was this girl. She, I mean, she's not like that in real life, but she just, she was real. She was funny. She didn't play, because Will is, you know, not an introvert himself, but he's, he's a, he's an artist. He's got his, his own thing going on and stuff. And this girl can't be like weirded out or the audition was, he asked her to move in with him. And all these girls at audition were like, they, they're playing at an arm's length. and like, they don't want to. And she was just so open and kind and stuff and cool. And we're like, that's gotta be her. It's gotta be her. And so, uh, she came along for the ride. It was just basically the three of us for an entire sum for really the month of June of 2017. And we had so much fun. Um, and, and we worked hard. Like we were, you know, we would do take after take after take to, to get the emotions right and get the honesty right. And, um, and it's the film maybe I'm, I'm proudest of because, uh, I wanted to show I can do more than what you think I can do. And this is the documentation of, I can, I don't just do genre and to do Dan Curtis said it right. He goes, if you can do horror and do it well, you can do any other type of film because horror encompasses that. all that. You've got drama, romance, comedy, suspense, tension, horror, emotion, horror, like real emotions, the, yeah, all this, you know, in one bubble and to, to do it then in other you know narrowed down okay you're going to do your love story you're going to do your western you're going to do you know all these things like you, it's a great it's a great learning ground so um so yeah we did will and liz and uh yeah it was yeah, i'm i'm very proud of it <laughs> so nathan by the way like like we like i was saying frequent in in your films there's something of very warm presence that he gives off, I feel like, in all of the roles that I've seen him. Even, you know, when he's more serious and things like that. But I I have to say, the from the first scene, the chemistry felt real. So the fact that it was just the two of them for the majority, you know, like you said, it's th the three of you. Yeah. I, I It just, just flew so beautiful and felt real with those emotions. So... I have to ask though. So since this is one of your most personal oh, yeah. films, the whole time I'm going, wow, I'm feeling like this style looks very familiar. You know, I'm like this, the look of Will, I'm like very, is this Ansel? And then that last shot in the credits when you're sitting next to Nathan on the bench and you know, you got a similar yeah, look going on. I'm just like. No, that was, that was, um, well, he did wear my hat, but um, no, that was more just like, uh, uh, you know, each character each character has to have their own appearance, and this was this was because even Liz was very carefully designed. She has to be this like hippie chick. So Will has to be like this artist, and and um, no, it's not me. I mean, it's not. It's you write. Yeah, you write what you know. But there's as much of me and Liz as there is of Nate and Will, and vice versa. And uh, but yeah, that that was shot was um um we were just like, cause I wrote, we, we wrote it together. It was the first thing that we really wrote together. So then I was like, okay, well let's do the, let's do a, a, a mirror image and, and just, just have fun with it. And um, yeah. 
so can we look forward to the the Will and Liz part two? Is this real? It was more real like six years ago. Um, oh, okay. Made it, and we I had ideas, and we actually discussed the three of us discussed it kind of um, uh, in depth. Um, yeah, it would be interesting. I mean, I I don't discount it. I mean, to, to your re- initial question about revisiting characters and stuff. It would be interesting. Um, I mean, I think about where they are now and what what they're doing. It's also funny in revisiting it. It's not a healthy relationship they have. You oh, know, man. I mean, she's 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 a sweet. Oh, I think maybe it's because I know Christine and Christine is just like a sweetheart and one of my, you know, closest friends and one of the nicest people I know. But Liz is maybe not the night <laughs> she kind of plays with will oh and, and little, that's the real emotion honestly yeah, that yeah. that scene in the when he visits her at, at work at the bar i was like oh my god you could feel the coldness from here like that was real that felt pretty real yeah and, and he's a bit possessive he's a bit mm. you know they have issues they totally have issues so um but a real relationship that's why i, I think it really it could it it plays out like real life. I'm sure this yeah. this situation has happened to many many people. They yeah. feel the emotions in that. Yeah. Um. So it would be interesting to see, you know, in a couple of years, where are they at now? How have they grown? How have they not grown? Um. It, but uh, uh, Christine is uh she is back with us on um, the Great Nick D our film that you know we were in production on and um so that's fun it's you know getting the we wanted to have i mean i know that we're going to discuss that later but we wanted to have you know all of our 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 cool um repertoire company come back and i'll have you know roles in that and and uh she was going to play one thing and then the schedule didn't work out we're like wait wait, wait, we got this thing that's actually a little bit cooler for you and she goes yeah so yeah it's christine's just like so nice so nice and her and me and Nate, we just had a ball making that. I mean, we laughed, we laughed so hard making that. And you know, we would do a fight scene, and then afterwards, we're just cracking up at it, like, like, oh my god, you really gave me like the death glare there, and you know, just you know, just just the funniness of the fight scenes thing. And then we would go and we'd drink, and then we you know do another scene. So it was it was the best. It was so fun. Do you happen to have the physical? disc in your physical media pile there which by the way i am such a physical media person i am so glad that ansel has oh look at this nice collection i this is i've lived up i know as much as frustrating as as this industry can get and at times i hate it because it's so obnoxious uh, I, you know, when I was, you know, growing up as did you, you know, we came of age with the VHS and the, you know, then DVD and stuff. so I, I would thankfully, always, I feel like right. Perfect I, time. It's these days. They don't know what it's like to these have videotape. <laughs> um, and, uh, but you know, like Suncoast and Sam Goody and Tower Records oh. and yeah, you just, I mean, we were lucky, but uh, I would, I would be like, yeah, one day you know, I'll have my movies on DVD. And so this, this, when I get really frustrated, I'm like, it exists They're They, they made it, they, they're on DVD, they're on Blu-ray. Uh, but yeah, 
Will and Liz. I'm a huge physical media uh, supporter. You know, streaming is not forever. Although all my no streaming, I but, even uh, down to Ansel. I feel like the music rights with movies with streaming now, where they'll completely yeah. change the soundtrack because it's yeah. not. It's it's terrible. Yeah. And but, they can ooh. edit the film again. Um, but yeah, Will and Liz is on. Blu-ray cover special edition commentary track by us, uh, some deleted scenes. Yeah, Will and Liz, so much fun to me. So much fun to me. You mentioned deleted scene. That's one of my questions. Like out of the million that I have in my head going on right now, go for it. How do you feel? with deleted scenes like i mean of course we know for pacing and you know sometimes you just got to lose a scene but how attached do you get to certain scenes that if you lose something have you ever regretted a scene that you've cut oh yeah Mm, okay yeah loon lake was two hours and nine minutes wow we got it down i'm like we cannot put this film out like this we you know it's this is a we have to get it down to like 95 minutes uh, an entire character was cut out of that. Uh, an entire day that we, you know, we, we don't have, we do not have money. We do not have money. But um, there was a day that we shot up in Minneapolis that was like a thousand dollars something day, and that all got cut. No um, kidding! So, wow. You know, but but you got to do what you got to do to get the the story, you know, right uh, and. Um, yeah. So, I mean, but it's, it's, there's scenes that we got, that got cut from Will and Liz, but you don't need them. They're, that's, they're ultimately you, that's why they are deleted scenes and, and not just Will and Liz, but you know, Loon Lake or Mabuza. There's a bunch of deleted scenes from the first two Mabuza films. And I'm nervous to see what's going to get cut from the great Nick D. <laughs> so then the, the Blu-ray releases, the physical media releases do preserve them in that yeah. sense that you could yeah. always go back and say, well, this was something. Yeah. 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 Here's yeah. Yeah. Loon Lake. Okay. You mentioned that this movie, I saw this description and honestly, I think it's the perfect description of this movie, a rural American ghost story. The atmosphere that you gave in this film, Ansel is just, oh, I I'm oh, on this podcast. All I ever talk about is atmosphere and I think it does come from the Dark Shadows movies where you had such rich atmosphere. Yeah. I mean, I'm just thinking about the David, you know, if I catch this one pool yeah, scene, yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. that atmosphere. So if you can give me the atmosphere and this is from the first moment, the opener. <laughs> Sold. Atmosphere. <laughs> well, thank you. Um, Very welcome. Very yeah. welcome. Yeah. Uh, it, Loon Lake... Uh... I mean, yeah, you have to. I mean, it's a horror movie. You have to. And now I think about it, I'm like, oh, we could have gotten a little scarier. We could have gotten a little bloodier. But uh, I'm proud of it. Um, I mean, I, 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 there's 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 a litany of things I could say about that film. So maybe you should ask me more of a story. Yeah, yeah. So this reunites, of course, David Selby, which we didn't mention yet. Oh, my God. What a name in the Dark Shadows community. Yeah. And, of course, Catherine Lee Scott again. So we also got David in a dual role, which very, to me, very Dark Shadows, of course. Yeah. How yeah. was it doing those, those throwback scenes? Because I can imagine, and again, I, I love the little tr- 
tributes, I feel like, to 70s horror, of course, and, you know, things like that that's thrown into those. So, yeah, um, um, I mean, when we wrote it, we didn't write it for David originally. We were just writing. Um, it's a story that Nate, um, Nate grew up with. Um, it, you know, he's from Minnesota. And uh, Minnesota, you know, as you call Minnesota, it. yeah, Minnesota. You know, oh, yeah, you bet you know. Um, <laughs> I lived there for a month making the movie. I got real good at that voice. Oh, um, you became a real Minnesotan. Oh, yeah, you know, you have a hot dish, you know, every supper. And, you know, like, <laughs> so much fun. <laughs> got a hot meal every day. Yeah. Um, oh, my God. Uh, anyway. I'm sorry. Yes, I'll get you back on track. Whoa, 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 uh, Minnesota. Whoa. I can do accent all day. Oh, God. Um, we, uh, he grew up with this, this, uh, story of this, uh, haunted graveyard and the witch, Mary Jane, the witch of Loon Lake, who was beheaded, took three chops to get her head to come off and cross her grave three times. She'd come get you. And, uh, the, the graveyard is about 15 minutes from his family farm that he, you know, Ooh. and it's a thing back there. It is definitely a thing. People will come and tell you, you know, I went out there and and I saw this and I left before anything kind of da, 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 da. And this one guy. I mean, we got so many stories from from the community and, um, you know, a lot of them we wrote down because we wanted to make a sequel. And that that would be a we'll get there. Um, but, um, uh, so anyway, as long as I've known Nate, he's been talking about Loon Lake and Nick Dick, uh, the great Nick D. And um, coming soon, coming soon. And uh, uh, so we did Will and Liz. We felt very good about ourselves after that. And we were still editing it, but we we're like, yeah, you know. So then he's like, okay, we have to make the movie about the witch now. And I'm like, okay, I guess we didn't make the horror movie now. Let's go do one. If you got to twist my arm. Got, you, you know, yeah, all right, fine. And so we, we wrote the we wrote the script. And yes, there are some tributes that were unintentional. There's, you know. Love it. I'm like, okay, if we are executing a witch, I just have to put, you know, uh, let the devil take her, take his own from Night of Dark Shadows, which is one of my favorite movies. I didn't think David was going <laughs> to... I mean, my ears go ding, 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 ding. I was like, oh. oh yeah. Oh. <laughs> and it wasn't, it wasn't meant for David. It wasn't, I mean, it was like, we're just writing. We're just, let's just get it all out on paper. I didn't think that David was going to say that line and come, you know, full circle. His first movie was Night of Dark Shadows, and now here he is, you know, doing. doing I mean, you, again, this is just the part of you. It just falls into place like this. It's just amazing. <laughs> um, and then it was good. We liked the script, and we, you know, we did some rewrites and stuff. And then David. I mean, I now I'd known David for you know like eight years or something, because he was at the the very first Mabuza premiere and just such a you know down to earth nice guy you know i he's not quentin collins he's not richard channing he's not the lawyer on the social network he's just <laughs> <Yeah>. david <laughs> uh and he'd always say you know Ansel, if we could if, if we can do a film together you know just you know i just want to play a guy i don't want to be in a suit i just want to play a guy oh yeah suit mm. Yeah, he's like, I'm tired of being in suits. I'm always in suits. I mean, I'm just a madman, and I'm in a suit again. And um, just so, wait to, to another movie. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. So um, uh, we had this character of Emery the farmer, 
And I'm like, you know, this could be something for David. Uh, so we called him up, pitched it to him, sent him the scripts. And then while I was on the phone, I'm like, there's also this preacher character that we're, you know, we're still like ironing out the rest of it. But like, there's also this thing. Maybe we could do a bit of a Dark Shadows where you're playing two roles and it's your great, great grandfather. And he was down. And um, so then he gave us some good feedback on it. We implemented it into the script and we just, you know, keep working on it. And then we knew we would go shoot, you know, we're based in, in Venice beach and, you know, California, but yes. we knew that we would shoot in Minnesota. We have to shoot this on location. Um, at, you know, it, Nate's hometown basically. And uh, it's a farm town. So we had to go in September just before the harvest in October because we needed the corn. We needed, you know, all the, Atmosphere. Gives you all the feels, those fall feels yeah. that you want, I and you totally get lost in those cornfields. Like, oh damn, I'm a, I'm, a, I'm a beach bum city boy. I was not prepared for that. I totally got lost in that <laughs> cornfield one day. I'm like, I'm never gonna find my way out of here. And Nate's like, yeah, this is why you know children of the corn used to scare the crap out of me when I was a kid because I'm out of here. Come out of the cornfield, get me. I'm like, no, I, I get you now. I totally get you now. Um, and so I knew that we were going in september so then in about like may yes somewhere around there i called up Catherine. i'm like Catherine, we're doing because Catherine's from minnesota robinsdale minnesota like so Catherine, we're doing a movie it's set in minnesota and you have to be in it and you would play david's wife in the 1800s and she's like when do you want me (laughs) oh my god so we sent it to her to read, and I'm like, "You're gonna be it's 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 brief, but you're gonna be Beatrice straight and network. You're going to you know, it you give him the business, and and she's like, okay, that that sounds fun, you know. And so, um, you know, long story short, we go, we make this film in Minnesota. We drive cross country. Myself, Kelly Kitko, who played Mary Jane and was a co-producer, um, Nate. Uh, that was a fun road trip experience i'd never actually driven across the country till then um go i'm sure that gave you ideas from movies as well oh yeah oh my god (laughs) we're in the car and we're just like all three of us um and um the 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 movie was supposed to be a secret so of course the entire town knew and um they were of so course, you know, it's a very small town. They were was so there a bold. parade when you entered and like, like banners put up? <laughs> well, Welcome. you know, kind of at, at a, after a point. Yeah. Because like everybody wanted to be involved. Everybody was like, come to my house, come to this. You can come film here. You can do, do, do. Oh, you know, I was in the local, <laughs> local community theater, you know, 50 years ago. And I can, do, uh, so everybody wanted to be in the execution scene. Everybody wanted to be, you know, there. And then we, we shot some scenes that got cut from the movie, but, um, Mary Jane, the witch is like coming down the main street of the town, and you know, a dead body in the middle and there's blood everywhere and stuff. And everybody is in the buildings and they all are like taking pictures like TMZ and they're all just like, and they would come up to us and they're like, we have been waiting our entire lives to see this story, you know, come to life. We've all you know, growing up with it, generation after generation after generation, you know, our grandparents would tell us about the witch and like, you know, and now it's, it's happening. So you don't hear that in Los Angeles. You don't get Yes. Yes. I could only imagine. Uh, So that was, I mean, it meant a lot. Um, 
and uh, everybody wanted to be in the execution scene. So we had to narrow, <laughs> had to narrow it down. We only had, you know, so many wardrobe pieces that were, you know, semi-period authentic. Uh, and uh, Catherine flew in and her brother and sister-in-law picked her up and we had them in the execution scene. Oh, and, that's amazing. And, um, you know, David is in the cloak and the hair and the, the whole thing and it was wild and so then uh we, we were going out to shoot that scene nate and i are leading the parade literally and i i'm like i'm like dude you gotta look back look and there's just car there's like 15 16 cars you know following us in succession I'm like that's our movie back there like Gosh. we don't get this in la you know nobody cares in la everybody's doing it out here but like uh and uh, i mean it was the best the best filmmaking experience in my life so far that is um it probably still will be the best filmmaking experience i mean i've never had hopefully i have you know fun more fun experiences and stuff but like everybody was just so welcoming and enthusiastic and couldn't believe that this was happening and then david selby rolls into town and they all like cabbaged on him and they're Oh, we love, oh my gosh, you know, we loved you. Oh, here it comes. Maybe our parents wouldn't let us watch Dark Shadows, but our babysitter would, and can we take a picture with you? And and he was just loving it. And um, Nate's like, I wasn't expecting this. I'm kind of embarrassed. I'm like, but like this is great because everybody's going to talk about it. So, you know, we made the front page of the, oh, the county newspaper or the Worthington Daily Star, I think. Uh, and uh, yeah, our pictures on it. It says, Loom Lake Film from Hollywood filmmakers and we're like, Oh, okay. So we do you have that local headline? I know I I bought like, we all bought like several copies of them. And then our sound guy, (laughs) our sound guy is like this, this hipster. He now lives in LA in silver Lake and he's, he, he did not belong in Minnesota, which is why he's, you know, now out here, but like total hipster dude, right. Roll his own cigarettes, tattoos everywhere really funny guy him and kelly went into the gas station and uh the local gas station and there was this little boy that was you know selling candy bars for his uh i'm sure that you've done this like a school event or like yeah fundraiser thing and stuff and so the guy behind the gas gas station counter you know recognized kelly and him and because our our picture was on the paper and the kid and david karen he goes yeah we're kind of a big deal around here So then we had now I have to buy all these candy bars from this poor little boy because like David Karen has like made a big deal about us and we got mobbed in like the restaurants and everybody's like coming oh my god you know you're you're the people and we're like we're the people but now you're the people also that say, that bought all those candies probably won whatever that kid was trying to to find napkins in the restaurant and and then we went back for the premiere and like there was like there we had to make a list because everybody wanted in to see this thing and so uh they there was they were showing joker with mckean phoenix at the local movie it wasn't even local we had to go into iowa to show it because it's so small so you know everybody wanted in on this screening and uh packed house uh and they're all just like on the edge they're just watching this thing happen and they weren't prepared for you know a couple you know the the the, the the violent opening or I, if they could get past the opening i was just gonna say if they could get past that you're all just like and then you know th- things i don't want to say 
spoilers, but things happen in the movie, and then other things happen that flip your perception of things. And there was, you know, several mo- you Definitely. could like feel the tension in the air and like the the gasping and and then some of the blaspheming because they're very, you know, small farming communities. They're very religious and stuff. So then there's you know questions about faith and. You know, is is God exists or I don't believe in God anymore? Yes, they're all just like, and they're just you know, you could feel the. the and so we're we're sitting in the back and we're like, this is really good. This is really going really well, and um, it was fun. I mean, I'm I'm just I feel like I'm bragging right now about the whole thing. No, it's it, it was fun. It has to be one in a lifetime experience to go to a small town like that and be welcomed and the excitement that they brought. I mean, like, like you were saying, it's a, it's a folklore in that town, but this is something that I feel like every small town in America, probably half of the world can imagine. Cause every town has a lore, a yeah. ghost story, a witch. And you just brought this town's yeah. real life folklores to, you know, to the screen, which is yeah. amazing. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, we've got so many messages and, and, you know, Facebook messages and emails and, and, uh, and people, you know, they, they, they're, we're showing our kids this movie. Now they're finally old enough to watch it. And I'm like, this is gonna, this is gonna blow up into a thing. You know, it, we, you know, a couple of years from now, it's, it's we will go back and it will be a thing. It will be like a the equivalent of a dark shadows festival, but it'll be the loon lake festival. And, um, I mean, it was already kind of becoming a thing while we were there. Cause, cause like I said, they all, grown up with this and so they like they said we've been waiting we've been we never thought this could happen but we've been waiting and hoping that uh you know somebody would tell this story and then also it was a bit emotional because you know so many of them had known nate you know because they all grew up together yes they're like you went and you you made it in hollywood and now you're here and you're bringing you know our community's heritage you know, putting Beautiful. it up on a big screen, and Nate's like, "Well, you know, we haven't made it in Hollywood. <laughs> in Hollywood, we we haven't made it, but uh, out here, yeah, I, you know, it, it's 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 very humbling and gratifying, and and uh, it's it's I mean, equally surreal for different reasons." When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. Now, of course, I want to get into Todd Tarantula, but I want to mention before we get into that, the most haunted house of Venice Beach from 2021, which won the best short film in that year. Yeah. Would you describe yourself as 
making love letters to Venice Beach, Los Angeles area, kind of like with your movies or your short films? I think, yeah, I think that, I think like everything else, yeah, that's just happened. Um, you know, uh, we did, uh, after we did the two Mabuza films, we did The Last Case of August T. Harrison with Jerry Lacey, which is a, a Lovecraft, H.P. Lovecraft noir that takes place in Venice. Uh, and growing up, you know, in here, I'd always wanted to do like a Venice movie, a Venice story. Venice has a huge, I mean, uh, Charlie Chaplin began here in Venice, you know, kid at auto races, the auto races in the speedway in Venice. Roger Corman did a bunch of his stuff here. Orson Welles shot Touch of Evil here. Um, Curtis Harrington, you know, it's it's always been a hotbed of, of, of filmmaking, creativity and, and yes. history. So I'd always wanted to do a, a Venice piece. And um, so August Harrison, bragging again, but like... No, please, put him up, put him up. Uh, is, was the sort of first, you know, Venice piece. And I was like, yeah, okay, I've done it. I've, I've done it. We went to the, the Venice Which, by piece. the way, Loon Lake is there too, right? Do you want to just hold that up for everybody just to see this beautiful cover? The colors, the colors. Yeah, special edition. There's a DVD as well, but the Blu-ray has... Uh, a making of documentary and all the deleted scenes you get to see the deleted character jeb who was the caretaker of the cemetery and oh really- i love a good cemetery caretaker really heartbreaking <laughs> to cut really heartbreaking to cut him out a bunch of stuff but yeah august harrison we went to the venice beach film festival with that the other venice film festival we call it so i was like yeah we've done it you know i've, I've done my venice thing and then i'm from here um so then i just i i, I love Venice, I mean, LA, we have no respect for our past and the history here in Los Angeles. We tear down the building as fast as we can, you know, put it up. Uh, but Venice still has some spaces and, and nooks and crannies that are original uh, to the Venice of the past. Uh, and uh, so then Will and Liz became the second Venice story. And, um, and yeah, like, you don't plan these things. These things, they just happen. So then it just, I don't, I... Am I like the Venice, the Venice filmmaker that just saw? I don't know. I guess so. I don't know. Um, Loon Lakes in Minnesota. So that's right. That's right. So there, it, we're all over the place. Yeah. This and Mabuza takes place in its own, you know, little bubble. But uh, yeah, the other, the haunted, the most haunted house of Venice Beach was shot pretty much right after we shot uh, Mabuza Three: The Thousand and One Lives of Doctor. Okay. It was still right in 2020 during the pandemic, um, and. Um, and that's kind of funny because uh, Chris Pennock was was in it, and uh, I told because he he lives lived you know further out in uh, in uh, Idlewild, which is two and a half hours. Away. Okay, far it's far, and you know so you know every social distancing and stuff. We actually had one of the actors uh, from Loon Lake play Abbott Kinney, the founder of Venice, in this film and so he shot his scenes in minnesota i gave him very specific directions and i you know and he did it so everybody was kind of doing it remotely but then and i i told chris how he could do it and chris is just like ah fuck it i'm coming so he, <laughs> he just was just total chris total chris and so he, <laughs> he just came over and um i played this part that i wrote for him and um, and he's going. I am this guy, you know. I I am this character. I am Jay the Surfer. I'm like I know, 
you know. I mean, the performance was perfect. I mean, yeah. you, you believed uh, in a hundred percent. It was, and um, and then he died, you know, uh, in 2020. So it, we, it came out in January, 2021 and he died February. So he, there was like a month, but he, you know, he got to see the film. Oh, I was just going to, okay. Wonderful. Yeah. But um, I don't want to call this irony. I don't know what you want to call it, but um, you know, Chris is a Shakespearean. You know, he was. I always describe he was a volcano of a man, and just sit come out and he would, yeah, you know, God damn it, we're going to go put on a show. You know, that's Chris. And, a presence. Oh my God, the presence doesn't even begin to describe. But um, he uh, <laughs> he was great, but his the film ends with him doing the tempest. You know, we are but stuff that dreams are made of, and our little lives are rounded with sleep. Um, and uh, funny how life is that that's the final performance that he gave us. And he ends up, I'm going to get emotional right now thinking about I, it. Um, I was, I actually was trying to put the times together and, and the fact that it is his yeah. last performance. Wow. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I'm proud of that one. And then we won the rondo for that uh that year uh yeah it's it's a it's it's uh how do i explain it like, like well i even i i voiced i did the opening narration I, yeah I <laughs> yes i was i was just gonna bring that up you we got a little voiceover narration yeah. in the beginning I, from you i tried to be like carol reed at the opening of the third man where he's like i was going to tell you about the i remember the old vienna and um so it was a bit of that and um uh, I, as I said, uh, I, I've told ghost stories, but this is not your normal ghost story. So it's it's a it is the, the it's not even a fictionalized history. It is the history of Venice told through people who experience them yeah. and them talking various, about their life. Yeah, the various archetypes or stereotypes of Venice Beach from different decades. Um, and uh yeah it's it's uh i don't i i mean it's it's a documentary a mockumentary um you get a little you get a little history in there too you got a little history a lot of history a lot of history because all those everything that you see is is genuine um historical photographs and photographs yeah love that love that so it's a it's an unusual little piece i don't know what you would ultimately describe it as but um haunting but beautiful i feel like beautiful but very haunting because you start to think of your own legacy yeah melancholy melancholy beautifully said melancholy yeah Um, yeah i i'm very proud of it i'm very proud of it that's that's um that's i think it's one of the, the best things i've done yeah and clearly other people agree. Look at that award-winning film. <laughs> All right. I can't not bring up Todd Tarantula from 2023. Yes. First off, this was described, and correct me if I'm wrong, Ansel. You wanted it to look like a cartoon, almost anime feeling? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, an anime or a, a French graphic novel from the 70s where it's just like very rich in color and the inking is very, you know, like laid on heavily and just, just like it's got a texture and i just want to praise this beginning scene with is it andromeda i want to say andromeda's his ex-girlfriend andromeda her place that 
shot where the frames and all the picture frames in that yellowish hue. Ooh. And and that orange, there's right after they're following, there's a, you know, the characters are outside and that orangey yellow. Gorgeous, gorgeous shots. Thank you. Thank you. Loved. I actually rewound just to see her background again because that was a a piece to have as a background. And the colors just popped. It was it was a very cool set. It was a very cool set. I mean Is that a real was that a real place? Oh, it was a set. It was was a set. I mean it was, you know, it was so you know, ten years ago with some almost happened. Um it was gonna be probably 90% 90% blue screen, green screen, like the okay. uh, original Team Abuses. Um, but no, this film, it ended up being almost entirely location or on stages, uh, thankfully. And yeah, that was a set. That was a set in downtown LA. Gorgeous. Whoever came up with that set piece, amazing. Amazing. This is so on point now with the whole AI issues with Todd's yeah. father and the digitalized consciousness how did you predict the future? My dad showed me Blade Runner when I was oh amazing. Young. Yeah, well, so it is. It is. I love it. But I was, I was. It was like my second R-rated movie. Um, and it was the director's <laughs> cut on VHS, and he just left me alone. I remember it was like a Saturday morning. Oh, and I, you watched this alone yeah, too. I had to have been like five or six. Like I was just not young. I was. I was not old enough to. to get it taking all of that <laughs> but it was just a lot you know and i and it's and this is you know early 90s so it starts off yeah. los angeles 2016 and i'm like that's coming and that's in my hometown and and then it, it keeps going and going and i'm like i don't like this i don't want to live here i don't want to live in this world this is not i do not like this um and it it really like affected me i never watched it for like Year, I was probably like 17 when I finally rewatched it. I was so disturbed by it. Um, wow. How was that? How was that second viewing then? Uh, it was the final cut that Ridley Scott, okay. finally, you know, and then Warner's put it back in theaters. So this is like 20, 2007. Oh my God, I almost said 2017. 2007 when it came back out. And oh, um, the years flying the years, by. Yeah. Uh, so I saw it then. And I remember even just being like, okay, why am I, why am I doing this? Because I hated it. I don't want to, I don't want to live. Also, I'm sure you remember, because you're of a similar age group that I am. Yeah. Uh, AI, artificial intelligence, Spielberg yes. film with Taylor Joe Osment. Oh, yes. I never need to see that again, experience that again. So <laughs> opening day, June 2001. The entire picture. There was a bunch of like kids in there too because the first Harry Potter trailer was attached to it. So, oh like, my god! Also, like all the parents like brought and like everybody knew the trailer was attached. I don't know how we all knew, but the we knew. So all the you know we were all in there, and my god! Like by the time that thing ended, like the entire theater just walked out. Like you just <laughs> left the worst funeral ever. That's like, it, a, just, it affected everybody. So anyway. So I don't like these things. Even Great Walt, point, though. Like, oh, I hadn't thought of that film in forever. Oh, yeah, I'm scarred for life, man. I, I, I that that film was just like I blocked it. I must have blocked it out because until you said it, I'm like, oh yeah, AI. <laughs> oh 
oh my god, there's so many moments. There's so many moments. <laughs> that are stuck Traumatizing. Yeah! Mm-hmm. Um, oh, Jesus. Um, so anyway, I don't like those things. I don't like... I don't want to... I mean, even like, you know, the phones kind of freak me out. But, um, so... Anyway, Todd Tarantula, I mean, we were going to do it. Oh, shit, I started thinking about that thing when I was like 17 or 18. Um, but it was it was smaller and it wasn't as like crazy sci-fi at the time. But it kept building and building and building because I kept thinking about it. Um, and then when we came around to do it, because after the pandemic, uh, I was like, there was a couple projects that were going to happen. We're going to make an action film that fell apart. It's always money. We're going to do a second Moon Lake money. Um, and I said, damn it, I'm going to do Todd Tarantula. I've been thinking about this for so long. And if I don't do it now, I'm never going to do it because I'm getting older and it's about a younger guy. And yeah. I, my, you know, how you, how you relate and perceive to the world and how people do. He's a very, in my opinion, a very irresponsible sort of selfish arrogant little shit and like you know i'm now in my 30s and i'm taking care you know i'm, I'm helping raise nate's son and so it's like now i'm like in my own weird stage of fatherhood and just like adulting is very different from being you know an arrogant you know punk when you're yeah so man isn't it <laughs> yeah so i was like i have to do it now otherwise it's never gonna happen and um I uh, we had tried to raise money for it years and years ago, a couple times. So I was like, I'm just going to pay this out of pocket. I went and I managed the kitchen. I bartended. I bus tables. I did, you know, the reality job. Got a lot of ideas. <laughs> I could only that's now that's a horror story in itself. Working with like the public of, <laughs> of, of tedious boredom and terrible management. Um, but we won't go there. Uh, so anyway, I paid out of pocket to make this film. And around then, Mark Zuckerberg started talking about the metaverse. Oh, the beginning of the end. Yeah. And then, uh, what's his name? Uh, Musk with putting the chip in your head. And I'm like, why? Why would you do that? So all that kind of, you know, funneled into, you know, the fears and anxieties of the world that we're hopefully not heading for. Because I've heard now the metaverse is over. Like, that's not happening. Which is a good thing. Um. Uh, that's good yeah so all that kind of fit very snugly into the world of Todd Tranch that had already been built and um, yeah then we went and we we did it uh, after so many years of thinking about it David Selby in a suit this time a suit in a suit yeah a beautiful cane very sharp looking David Selby I had that cane I had that jacket of Todd's I had several things for years because I wanted to make this movie and I was just like, I got to hang on to these things. Like, do you still have the cane? Yeah. Oh yeah. And there's a sword in there too. Oh, it's one of those with the sword. sword. Yeah. So if, 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 if the homeless situation here in Los Angeles that needs to get fixed, if they, you know, if I need to defend myself, we can call on one hero. It's the, the, the needle shooting meth heads down the street. I can only imagine. It's bad. My God. Um, yeah, you see the video, you see it on the news and you're just like, I wonder how bad. It's bad. Um, we won't go there. Um, but uh, so yeah, so David 
I mean, we had so much fun on Loon Lake and I, I, this character, Lucifer Gray was admittedly written for Lyndon Childs years and years and years and years ago. Um, and, uh, so anyway, so I pitched, I pitched him this part and I'm like, it's seductive evil, David. It's, you are the baddest of the bads. You're, you know, it's, but it'll be fun. And this is how I want to do it. And this is he wanted to do it. He's like, can't there be something redeeming about him? I'm like, no, because your actions, you know, again, things happen in the movie that I want to talk about, but like, it is good and evil. It's good. and evil. I mean, those, you know, the, the oldest of all stories. So Truly. we, you have to do things that will then cause about other things but as a result that you cannot be redeeming like no you can't you gotta be you know wicked you've gotta be deliciously wicked yeah and so i had a had lunch with him and his wife chip who's just also like one of my biggest supporters in life and she's like i just and she goes david this is this is a role that comes out of the bible it is one of the greatest roles you will ever play you're going to do this and then she turns to me. And she goes, "You tell me if he if I need to come down on set." And <laughs> I'm like, "Okay, chill." And, and, and he goes, "Yeah, I can do it." And then he called me like a week later. And he goes, "I keep because he, I mean, he'd read the script you know several times already, and he just he he wanted to do it. Everybody wanted him to do it. And he wanted to, he just had to find that as an actor. Where do you where do you go?" And he was afraid that, because David is like the nicest, you know, caring gentleman. And, you know, there's nothing, you know, you see him play an asshole as Richard Channing. Or you see, you know, Quentin is kind of dubious at times, depending on. But I got to say, David, not even knowing him personally, but David's, again, warmth, much like Nick. Even with Quentin, you're just like, oh, he's a good guy under there. Come on. Yeah, right? He's just cursed. You know? Exactly. <laughs> it's a curse. Just a curse. Get that picture, the portrait we were speaking yeah. about earlier out. To get the hand and cut the toffee. But, um, oh, the best plot. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so anyway, so he's just he, he's, he's got to find how to be diabolical. And so then he called me a week ago. He goes, I found him. Oh, <laughs> I knew you'd find him, David. I knew it. And then, like, and so the suit was already, like, you know, this film I've been thinking about for so many years, and and the way that Todd looks, I mean, going back to where you said, you know, how Will and Liz, how they're designed, and so these characters, I always knew, like, the jacket that Nate would wear as Barracuda. I'd had that jacket. Another beautiful name, by the way. Just I love the names. Barracuda. Barracuda, I will say, Barracuda was named after the car in Phantasm. It's a oh, smart. Okay, okay. Yes. You know. Yes. Um, but I, I had that jacket for you know twelve years. I had the cane. I had. I mean, there's very, very specific things that I, I, I wanted, and I was, you know, gonna get. Uh, so in the script, it's, he's dressed like Tom Wolf, you know, in a white suit and the hat and the thing. So David goes, I think I have a suit somewhere. I think I have. And so I bought him the hat. Did I buy? Him? Yes, I did buy him the hat. And, um, and then shortly after that, when he called me, he goes, I found him, you know, then he sent me a picture and he's standing there in the suit and the shoes and the hat and the thing. And I'm like, 
that's crazy. I'm finally now after all these years seeing Lucifer gray and like, it's David. And then when we were doing it, there was moments he would do things and I was not seeing him. I was seeing Lyndon through. And I was like, it's even, he's he's somehow channeling that unless like Lyndon is possessing him and do, I don't know what's going on here. You never know. Hey, it's working. And so it was, I mean, he, it was, it was an interesting film to make. Again, you can you can throw. I'm just I, I'm blown away by the whole thing that that it, the suit, how that came together, and my god! And then David Selby sent David Selby sending you a photo, just like yeah, yeah. Look at this, look at this. Yeah. This is probably well documented, but over 600 actors auditioned for Todd. 600. Yeah. Six, how was that audition process for you? By uh, the way, well, there was there was a thousand submissions. Wow. And then out of those, we invited, you know, like 600 some young actors to audition and they had a scene and then they would send in a tape and I watched all those tapes and then we got it down to three. We got it down to the actor that ended up with the role. I noticed this, by the way, and I just want to bring this up because I just love this about you. One of many things. Um, you are a fan of American International Pictures and just all of those movies that they made. And again, I just love someone of our age that, and I'm, I'm imagining you growing up just, you know, finding, watching all these movies and just being inspired that. Oh, yeah. Again, that you were, you know, one of those kids that probably were considered different because you're out there looking at movies from you know 40 years ago yeah and just going into that really quickly were you always one of those kids that what would they say an old soul i've been called that you're an old soul you prefer the old the classics (laughs) (laughs) people tell me that again i don't think about it you know i just do me but um yeah I, i mean uh I, I had a early love for Edgar Allan Poe uh, that stemmed basically from Phantom of the Opera. You know, he's the Red Death and it's the Mask of the Red Death. So I started reading Edgar Allan Poe when I was really young. And um, then I saw uh, The Raven with Vincent Price and Boris Karloff and Peter Lorre and Jack Nicholson. Um, Roger Corman's movie. And then uh, The Mask of the Red Death that Roger Corman did in England with Vincent Price. And that... Mm. That I remember, we got the videotape from 2020 video, and um, oh man, you know, it was a Friday night, and it started. There was a bunch of it was, a, it was an Orion home videotape, and there was another name, one of those names that used to always pop up. Oh, and it was like it said Vincent Price Collection on the the top banner. Um, there's like five people that are out there that are listening to this that knows exactly what I'm talking about. <laughs> yeah. and, and then there was trailers. I remember there was trailers for Scream and Scream Again, Dr. Fibes 1 and 2, and that kind of unnerved me because he didn't talk, but there was something happening. Um, and in my childhood memory, I got Dr. Fibes and Scream and Scream Again kind of blurred, so it was really like intense. I could see. Master of the World was on there, which I got really excited about because it said Henry Hull, and I knew he was the werewolf of London, and I was like, oh, wait. Or he's in color. Uh, Tales oh, of yeah, even better. <laughs> yeah, right? Tales of Terror was on there. And there was something. Maybe that, maybe that was it. But those trailers happened. So I was already like, 
in the movie. And I'm like five again. I'm like five or six. And my parents are sitting there watching it too. And so the movie begins. And then I don't know how familiar you are with it, but um, there's this old lady that goes and she gets this rose and the red death transforms it into. Oh, yes, yes. And he says, you know, take that back to the village. And I'm just like, and I'm like leaning. I'm like, you know, you're your kid. You're laying on the floor on the carpet. Like right up against the TV. Yeah, this close to the TV, ruining your eyes. Get you know, it, it, we don't have IMAX back then, but we're gonna get you know, on the tube, the curved tube screen. Uh, oh yeah, you know, not even a flat screen back then or a big screen. Oh, no. It's just it is what it is. Heavy and, as hell. VHS. Yeah, yeah. Um, and so then, so then Vincent Price shows up, and the woman is like screaming in her tent, and so kind of like getting all jittery. He goes in there and um, she turns and her face is just covered in like red, you know, red death occurred to her and it's just all bloody. And Corman like does this zoom. And so he shot the film in scope, but the VHS is panned and scanned. Yeah. So it's a bit more thing. So the zoom is even more like intense on her face. And she screams as it happens. I fucking jumped up and ran behind the couch that my dad's like, God damn it. Stops the tape. Why do why do you watch this stuff? Why don't you watch Disney movies? <laughs> but I want to watch. So I was, and then all night long, I'm like, because then my parents are like, you're not watching the rest of this. You're gonna have nightmares. We're gonna have to deal with it for a week. Like we're not we're not putting up with it. So then, yeah. Um, but you were probably fascinated of what was happening. Yeah. So, so then I got up early the next morning and I put the tape in. And I had to finish watching it. Amazing. And I, it was just and and. You know, there's several moments, and then it got scarier too. Because then, you know, Jane Asher's going through the castle, and then Vincent's got, uh, you know, he's laying in that weird thing, and he jumps up at her. I and jumped and hid behind the couch, but I'm like watching behind the thing, and then the the masquerade ball begins, and the red death oh. is there, and the way that Corman shoots that, like the swooping cameras, and so, even in pan and scan, there's and the music and stuff, and I was just transfixed by then, and I'm like, this is amazing. I love it. I love it. I want to do that. Um, and uh so yeah so i always had a love for aip and then um so then uh mgm they started the midnight movies line back in like yes and i was at fye and i saw it said the mask of the red death premature burial and i pulled out the cover on it was on the spine i pulled it out and it's roger corman vincent price mask of the red death and i'm like oh it's on dvd and it's widescreen and i'm like well i have to buy this so I hadn't seen it since I was like five or six, but it had, was so vivid back then and so terrifying head. back then. It, it, and I remember I was with my mom too, because this was, you know, early 2000s. So really not that much time had passed probably between seeing it. And, and we were, she went to Bloomingdale's afterwards. I'm holding the DVD and I'm describing Jane Asher, like going down the corridor. And then she went in there and she went to the different rooms. And then she went in this other room and there was the red and stuff. And Vincent Price is laying in this. And there was like this other lady that was like shopping, but now she's like listening to me. And, so, <laughs> <laughs> and, like, and then all of a sudden he like jumped up and her, and the woman was just like reacting and stuff. And uh, so, yeah, I was even about, then a storyteller at heart. Yeah. So then I knew, oh, wait, there's more of these things. There's Midnight Movies, and then there's House of Usher, The Raven, Comedy of Terrors, The Wild Age, like all these movies that I had either read about, seen the trailers, or had managed to watch the videotapes because my parents would get The Raven and Comedy of Terrors quite frequently. 
and House of Usher, which I was bored with at the time because I was a kid and I didn't. Uh, I could only imagine as a kid. <laughs> it was like a really shitty videotape. Like the color wasn't there. It was you know pan and scan again, not scope and the pit and the pendulum and so all these things started coming out on DVD and I just used my parents' cash to to only too eager to buy them and then I discovered you know the psychedelic the counterculture films that they had you know like psychation movies trip, and things like that you know cycle savages and the mini skirt mob and the mini mini skirt mob and wild in the streets which has a great soundtrack <laughs> so yeah i love i love all those um and i mean you know getting to Todd Tarantula for a moment you know the wild angels with yeah. the bikers and and the then the ls i'd never heard of lsd till i was 11 watching the trip and i was like <laughs> that's kind of cool. Um, and, uh, so all that, you know, funneled into Todd Tarantula, this drug addicted, uh, biker kid that's just lost in LA dealing with shit. And, um, and the colors, the color, especially I, color is just pop for me. So, I mean, even the, the poster of Todd, which on, I know you have over there, right? The Blu-ray the colors just are just gorgeous. Like this speaks to me. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you. (laughs) Okay. I want to bring this up quickly too, because I feel like not many kids, Benicula, the 1970s book series. When I heard that you were a fan of that, of course you are. I should have known this already. Just, you know, figuring your beautiful education you had with films growing up. I mean, would you ever do you want to do anything with Benicula? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I remember, I don't even know when, or, I mean, I guess this comes from, you know, again, something that I don't know they do nowadays. This, the scholastic book fair at schools. Oh, where, those yeah. were the best. You get do the you little still do those? I, I, I probably not. Everything's probably, probably digital not. now. Yeah. My God, what a shame. If they can even read today. I don't know. Try um, me truly, truly. <laughs> we were, we we're at the best point. Best yeah, we, we didn't have cell phones and technology. Thankfully. We were the last generation that would like go outside to play and you had to use your mind rather than sitting there on your phone, able to connect and learn anything, you know, at the click of a button. You had to rewind the VHS tape. Well, anyway. Like you said, exactly the point when you said you had to go to from VHS and then when they started releasing the movies and you got to see them how they were intended yeah. in the Because Laserdisc was around, but if you had to have a Laserdisc player, oh. you had to like flip the disc over and... Exactly. It was, it was a, and they were expensive. And they were um, gigantic, my God. Gigantic <laughs> and expensive. I tried to tell, I have a, a younger friend of mine who's, who's an up and coming film historian and film journalist. And, um, I'm like, well, I mean, he was like three when The Dark Knight came out. So that tells you like how. Oh, you know, my God. So I'm like, he, he, the other day he asked me, he's like, I just, I mean, we're totally getting off topic here. But he's like, I just, I don't get the hype around Titanic. And I'm like, dude. <laughs> well. <laughs> it was a thing. <laughs> For months. You know, I mean, I feel like even longer. It was. It never ended. It was like a year. It was like a solid year of just that. And then did you tell him about the midnight release of the double VHS? Yeah, and I'm like, you had to. It was, a, and then like it was, and it, that too was expensive. And then you had to like put in tape two because it stopped midway through. He's like, but why? Why was it such a big? I'm like, okay, picture it like the Avengers is coming out. But truly, you know, we, you know, I, I'm gonna say something also here. I don't care about Avatar. 
I saw the first one when it came out because we all had to see the first one because yeah. it was this new like technology and then the 3D and we hadn't seen 3D in a long time and so we all had to go see it. It was Dances with Wolves. Yeah. It was. We all know. We yeah. all know Jim. And I don't care about <laughs> two. I don't care about three if it's nine hours. I don't care about four. I didn't ask for it. I definitely didn't ask for five. Yeah, and he, isn't that planned for years, too? It's just like, yes, the sequel, the third one. going to be alive by the time the fifth one comes out anyway? Because, like, I mean, look at how long it Never. Took. Never. I don't care. I'm so like, I see. I'm so glad you said that, Ansel, because I felt like I was one of the only people that didn't get that. I mean, I got it at the time, like you said, because of the technology. Yeah, right? it was a. Th- we had to go see the. Th- but like, I don't know. I've talked to a couple of other people, and I know that I'm not alone in this. But um, good, good. I'm so happy to hear that. Yeah, <laughs> like I mean, yeah. Okay, Terminator One was cool. Again, we hadn't oh, seen yeah. anything like it. Terminator Two was also. We hadn't seen anything like it, and it took the first one and flipped it on its head. And they're both incredibly relevant right now with what yes. we're going through. Um, True Lies. Oh, True Lies. That was, I mean, yeah. <laughs> I'll keep my mouth shut. Titanic <laughs> was a thing. Like, also, it was for, I mean, we don't have movies now that are made that are, like, intelligent for adults about people. Like, yes. Jim Cameron, if you go make a film like Titanic where it's yes. about people and it's real and it's like we can something connect to. Yes. Go for it because I'm still having anxiety about like, I mean, I know what's going to happen. I know that like, you know, the, 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 the door is not going to be big enough and he's going to fall in the thing. Cause he's going to the other way. But like he's Billy Zane has handcuffed Leo down there and you see the water rising and Kate Lins is like running real. to go. And like, you're still like, have an anxiety if you're watching it on blu-ray today like it's like a great film so anyway i've totally we've gone to no i love you know i mean we're a retro it's beautiful you you touched on things that i i I love to hear about so yeah definitely uh we went from bonicula to me ranting about titanic but like um oh it's because the scholastic book fairs do they still do them or not (laughs) i really honestly i hope if there's a listener out there that I, please let me know if you have kids and it happens in your state or your country. Let us know because I would love to know. Yeah, right. Hopefully it does. Hopefully let's hope there's, there's still hope. Um, Nothing I like think, a physical book, I say. Yeah, yeah. So I think my mom had got some of the books at the – I don't know. Th- there was like three or four of them that ended up on my bookshelf. I remember the one that I pulled out first was The Celery Stalks at Midnight. Midnight, yeah. What a What a name. What a cover. And I, yeah, it was, I mean, it was good, but yeah, I, and you have, I don't know which covers you have, mine are in storage somewhere. Mine are the, yeah. the 70s one, because I, okay. I was lucky enough, my bro, my two older brothers, I, I inherited know. their copy, yeah. so it's the old school one, nice. and I just love that art, that old 70s art, yeah, horror, yeah, yeah. horror art. Right. Mine was a little more vibrant, um, and they were paperback, but, um, so I read that. And then I found out there was more of them. And then I noticed that they were all on my shelf. So I just kept reading them. Oh, but, I love uh, that. I love that. Your mother I, encouraged your reading and your. Well, yeah. she was reading. She, I mean, this is so inappropriate. She was reading Interview with the Vampire to me when I was five. Which is, <laughs> oh, She'd skipped over some of the more, you know, homeoerotic. That's why you're, you're mature. That's why you got this mature attitude and look on things. My, you know, my neuroses and the rest of the, you know, my problems. <laughs> 
Um, but she skipped <laughs> over the more sexual bits and stuff, and and then she put in the Franklin Langella Dracula. That was my first R-rated movie. Oh, um, but uh, anyway, Benicula, Bunicula, Benicula. When I was a kid, I called it Buncula, but it's Benicula. Yeah, yeah, Benicula. Yeah, um, with a little twang. <laughs> 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 little Brooklynese in there. Little Brooklynese, exactly. <laughs> Brooklyn, Transylvania. Hey, um, I did. I did. Um, I. I mean, I'm not ashamed to say it. I did a trilogy when I was bored in 2005, 2006, and 2007. Like written, you wrote a trilogy of. Oh, I did a movie. Ooh. Trilogy movies it was Bonicula the Vampire Rabbit, and I. I mean. It's oh it's God, a bit. I love it. I had no friends, <laughs> so I, I I got a bunch of like stuffed animals. I got a stuffed rabbit, and I got put. I made fangs out of paper. And I taped them on the rabbit, and I it was Zootopia before Zootopia. Yeah. So okay. Yeah. Like, they all lived in Townsville, like in the book, but like you know they didn't have humans that were like their masters or shit. You know it was just yes. so like. Also, I did a bit of a gender flip. Instead of um, Chester the cat, I made it Cassie. Yeah. So it was because I was like, "There's a lot of guys in this character in this thing. I need I need some females in here." So Chester became Cassie, the Van Helsing cat. Favorite character, by the way. It was Chester knows things, you know, and and. Um, the whole acting as a van- acting out, trying yeah. to let the pair like the owners know. Yeah, 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 right. Loved, loved that whole thing. I can't remember the names of the kids, but um, there's there's Chester, Bonicula, Howie, Howie the dog that Howie. might be a werewolf, the Monroes. That's what I always remember. Monroes, the Monroes. <laughs> yes, the Monroes of Townsville. So they all went. So what's and Harold? Harold is Harold, the yep. narrator. So Harold, Howie, and Cassie went to and then there was felony and misdemeanor the other two cats like i mean i I got like a whole marvel universe here going they went man they went to the movies to see dracula and they encountered this rabbit that was you know lonely and by himself and they said well come live with us and it was benicula and then there was also i can't believe i'm like telling this on the internet but i love it i'm eating it up and i want it to be made please but like also it got r-rated at a point because i was just like (laughs) you know the kids that grew up reading it are now adults so it's all house of dark shadows all house of dark shadows (laughs) is fault carolyn getting staked and then barnabas with the the blood the horror of seeing her um there was a there was a another dog or a cat i'll say it's a cat i don't remember um named georgina that was like their friend and bonicula fell in love with her and then turned her into a vampire. Yeah. Uh, and then he ran away and Cassie figured it out. So then they like got hold of felony and misdemeanor and they're like hunting to Townsville. What they, I love the names. The carrots that were like drained of, of, you know, so you kept team. the, okay. You kept the juicing of like him well, sucking kept, the juice I, out I, of the, I kept certain things that I, I was pulling from different parts of the, of the different books. So, like then in Celery Stocks at Midnight, I don't know if you remember, they get in the garbage truck because they're like trying to stake the carrots. Yes. And then the garbage truck, 
So like, oh my god, box, yes! I filled it with a bunch of shit and newspapers and stuff, and then I had the stuffed animals, and I would shake the box, and I had the camera like aimed down, and Close I was doing life. all the like. I had no friends. I had no life. And I would do other voices. Ansel, I wish I was around then because I went. I was making movies with action figures, hoping to to have friends to do that with too. So again, <laughs> you lived my dream. <laughs> um, yeah. So then Bonicula, he evolved. He graduated from drinking, you know, vegetable vegetable life life force to he drank from Georgina and liked that. So he Got tasted taste. blood, and then. She died. Yeah, she died, but didn't come back as a vampire. And then Cassie and them, they led the hunt, and they ended up back at the movie theater. And then there was a couple, I want to say, there was a couple, like, zombie vegetable things that they had to, like, dispatch. Right up my alley. This is so weird. I mean, like, what drugs was I on as a kid? like... (laughs) You were high on life. I was high on life. High on watching the trip that Peter Fonda's dropping acid and I'm living vicariously through it. But like <laughs> Bonicula was like up in a balcony and then flew down and there was a fight between him and then Cassie impaled him the way that Roger Davis impales John Ooh, oh, in House of Dark Shadows. So I had, you know, uh, I had like a, a barbecue skewer that I like put red marker on. So it was like the blood and stuff. And I like impaled this stuffed animal. I'm like, it's got to happen. You know, there's no... Did this shit. No faking in this movie. No fake. This is practical effects. You know? right. No animals were harmed during the making of this picture. Um, Just that poor stuffed rabbit. Yeah. Oh, I know why I changed it from Chester to Cassie. Because my cat at the time was this ginger fat ginger tabby named Molly. So I would put Molly in my movies. This is so embarrassing. But um, and Molly, Molly was a star. I'm sure Molly even made it all the way to the happy home with the murderous Mahones and has a scene with Chris Pinnock. Oh. So if you go watch that, you will see Molly in a movie with Chris Pinnock. <laughs> it was on my list, by the way. So that was your cat. That, that was, was Molly. Yeah, that was Molly. So Molly was played Cassie. But um, so that's why I, I gender flipped it. So then it ended with them. They had dispatched Manicula and they locked him up in a coffin. And they were they pushed him out to sea, which was my bathtub. Um, this I, is amazing. I am so amazed by this. This exists. I have it on DVD because I transferred it off of VHS onto DVD. My so it was Benicula the Vampire Rabbit. And then there was a sequel, Benicula the Vampire Undead. They all went out to the country on a vacation to reprieve from the events of the first film. And then I started, I just totally sort of like went off the books and just started making it my own crazy shit. And so like there was this, I, I had a, I got a, a moose stuffed animal and it had antlers. This is embarrassing. Like I literally, my, I love it. I love it. Please. This is, this is movie making to me. They're going to play this one day on entertainment tonight. I'm just going to be like, like, I had the, and so like his horns just looked, you know, like the wicker man and like, you know, the witches and like some shit like demonic. Like, so I'm like, okay, well this moose is like this occult priest. And so he finds the, 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 the shipwrecked, no, it's not shipwrecked. The, the, the coffin of Bonicula has like, you know, washed up on shore and he has found it and he resurrects Bonicula and now they're out in the country. And so then felony and misdemeanor, they hear these weird voodoo noises and they go through the woods and stuff. Like I walked with the zombie 
and they come upon this ritual and Bonicula is there with this priest and they've resurrected Georgina who's now a vampire but she's also pregnant so then my god what a way to come back to life spoiler yeah right undead vampire dog cat thing with the pregnated by a rabbit and they're vampires and shit's going down and long story short it ended they tried to defeat everything and it ended i ripped off alien the spawn of canicula burst through the chest of this stuffed animal and it was this like demonic little fucked up looking creature thing that i i sculpted out of clay in art class uh, I covered Even it a more, you literally, I love this. Art class was involved too, so you use the sculpture then. Like if I, you know, and so it ended on a cliffhanger. I can't believe I'm telling you all this. It ended on a cliffhanger because now the love of Benicula's life was totally destroyed, and the oh. occult moose priest has taken the spawn of Benicula and they've gone off and they went to this is now here we're going to get real deep cut geekery they went to Chateau Bow Wow from the books which was the oh the spooky, that's, that's the spooky right. daycare for the animals Wait, was that I think that was after the holiday in that was it that was that that's was the holiday in okay yeah Chateau Bow Wow my life will never be the same after this discussion on the internet but they went off to that so then the third movie it started off with a black and white origin story of how Benicula was just this poor rabbit that was kidnapped by a mad scientist and transformed into a vampire and then let loose I don't know who let him loose so did this whole little recap and then Benicula has now joined forces with Cassie and Harold. Oh, Howie got killed, by the way. Howie got killed. Was it one of the original original core cast? Goodbye, Howie. Yeah, it was. I don't know which movie he got killed in. I think it was the second one. Anyway, he got killed, so he wasn't part of the third one. Uh, So, how Harold, Cassie, Bonicula, all have to, Felony and Misdemeanor, all have to team up to avenge Georgina's death and destroy the spawn of Bonicula and kill the priest. And they're hiding out. The priest and the the spawn are hiding out in Chateau Bow Wow. And by then, I'd seen enough of like Dario Argento movies that I, so now it was like a bit more giallo esque. And I was starting with the colors and the sh- so when they get to Chateau Bow Wow, it's all very like trippy. And so that they went back to Townsville, and the spawn has just like massacred everybody. So I had a bunch of these stuff laying out in my backyard, just covered in blood. And I did like this crane shot above it. It was like the birds. It was just, I mean, this is fucking nuts. But um, these are masterpieces that are just sitting there that that are hidden away. Hidden gems, if you will. They're on DVD. It was called the third one was called Creepy Crawly Birthday, named after one of the things. Because the the, amazing. It is long story short. And that one was really emotionally mature now that I think about it. Like they got into like grief and the process of grief and life after death, like all this stuff. Cause by then I was old and I was too old to be making Benicula movies with stuffed animals, but yet I was. And that's the charm. Hey, the, the ending was very violent. Um, several characters got killed. Harold now was a vampire too. So now he was having to deal with that. And Cassie, you know, who was, 
very gung ho about kill, destroying all this stuff. Now she's wrestling with her own like, well, I can't destroy my best friend, and I have to team up with my former enemy, and all of them. And so they find the spawn, and Benicula swooped in, and he drained it of its blood, and then they exploded in this red cloud, and I can't believe I just fade yeah. to black. Yeah, there was an epilogue, but it, it ended. It was a trilogy, and it ended with Cassie because then Cassie had because Harold was like, "You need to destroy me. I can't live like this." Very oh man, it really went for the and for the. I, went, I know. I was. I was like, I can't believe. It. So then she um she put an end to him, and then it was left with her wondering, "Well, can I? How am I now going to cope with?" All the horror that I have been through. So they were totally not kids' movies by then. Wow. Well, it was Zootopia mixed with Dark Shadows with a bit of Bram Stoker's Dracula going on and some Dario Argento gore. But um, my God, man! They probably wouldn't let me make that movie. <laughs> you know, but well, aren't they making what like Winnie the Pooh, Blood yeah. and Honey, or something like that? Like, but like that's so. I feel like that's just so. I mean, what, I just just described all this crazy shit, but I feel like that's so cruel because Winnie the Pooh is innocent. But Nikola is a vampire. Like, there's some yeah. precedence here, you know. But James Howe would never give me the rights to do something like that. I just know it. Um, so. Well, would you would you ever do, like, the G-rated... Um, what would you... I mean, maybe even animated? sanitized version? Yeah, san- basically it would be sanitized. That's well, true. I there was. I mean, wasn't there... I, I saw there was a cartoon series... Oh, that new! I mean, I was used to the Hanna Barbera one-off special. I remember, yeah, I found that finally, and I saw that, and he oh, had things, and he had the cape, and so good. Yeah. I have the VHS. I actually tracked it down a few years ago, still on the plastic. It's one of my uh, greatest possessions. Yeah, yeah. Oh, but yeah. They made a new one, kind of, and it looked, one, yeah, it looked a little like they were doing that almost adult, right? They made Benicula a little like crazed looking, from what I, I saw. Yeah, I didn't. I didn't see any. I mean, I know I saw that it exists. Like I saw it on IMDb or something, but I haven't seen any of it. But um, and then I was I'm, I was going to do a fourth one. I was going to do Bonicula Bene- meets Edgar Allan Crowe because that book exists. And then, that, I, but then, yeah. then I was already like too old, and I had friends by then, and like we were like you know filming some real. This shit. is where the friends got in the way. I'm thinking of your filmmaking. Yeah, hey, I completed my Lord of the Rings esque trilogy already, so it was like it was good. I don't need to go do the Hobbit. Yeah, yeah, perfect examples. <laughs> okay, so before before we wrap this up, I I can't not talk about your upcoming project, The Great Nick D. And this is described as a sweet-natured comedy following a washed-up 90s porn star. And by the way, I'm a sucker for these titles like like I told you with your names of the characters that you came up, but anything The Great, The Wonderful, such a sucker for that. There's, so. And there's a reason why the great Nick D, which you'll find out in the movie. Oh, was it, was it? Oh. So this is currently in editing. Yes. Um, it, it's a project, as I said, like with Loon Lake, it's something day one since I met Nate. He's had this character um, of this washed up porn star, Nick Dick. Who now <laughs> you might is, as well, right? You, you got to be, hey, Dick. Nick Dick, he, he was, he was, and originally he was like in the seventies and he was big time. Um, and uh, then I'm like, we can't do it in the seventies. We can't afford that. So he was the nineties porn star. Um, 
but then he, you know, the drugs and the booze and the women all got to him and, and, uh, he's, he's now just like Venice beach boardwalk, you know, colorful loony. Um, and he's got a, he's got a sad backstory because he was in love with this actress when they were both young up and coming actors, wannabe actors, I should say. And, uh, her name is Faye Davenport. And she now is the equivalent of Meryl Streep and he's this nobody. And, um, so this, this movie is his odyssey to get back into mainstream acting in order to win her back. Ooh. So, yeah. I finally have, my career has finally hit the porn. Like, that's (laughs) (laughs) That's where all the money is, I hear. (laughs) (laughs) So for Dark Shadows fans, listen up. I mean, here we go. This is a big reunion. This one has... David Selby, of course, Catherine Lee Scott, Lisa Blake Richards. Lisa Richards. Which I was very excited to see. I'm a Sabrina. Third time together on film, yeah. And Laura Parker, which, my God. And um, Jerry Lacey makes a cameo. Oh, yeah. Okay, so Dark Shadows fans, this is for you. And then also we have Olan Jones. From Edward Scissorhands and Natural Born Killers, Miracle Mile, and The Truman Show, and a very big role. She was amazing to work with. She's so funny. And then uh, we have film director Sam Irvin, who did Elvira's Haunted Hills, and he was an executive producer on Mike Monsters. Um, and he plays a part. Sam was a good friend, and I, I, I pitched him. This, I'm like, he's never going to do this. Like, why, why does he need to come do my thing? And then I pitched him, and he was, I'm like. I don't also don't want to give things away, but like Spielberg got uh, David Lynch in the Fablemans. So I, I called Sam up. I'm like, Sam, you're going to be my David Lynch. And like, <laughs> we had a good laugh about that. So then he was happy. to be, And he's, he's got like, it's a part like there's, you know, something happens with his character. So it's, it's like, it's not just like, you know, here's a, they all serve a purpose in the story. So this is again, stepping away from the horror genre yeah. and going dramatic, but would you Com- say there's comedic. Yeah, comedic. comedic too? Yeah. So comedic. now you've come to the comedy again. Yeah. I mean, we're, it's, it's, yeah, we're, we're like jumping like with Will and Liz and, and crypto. Um, Cause there are a couple things that I have done. That's just not genre, but yeah, this is a full fledged comedy. There's a musical number. Oh, there's uh, a musical number. Oh. A musical number. Uh, I'll say Catherine Lee Scott could not keep a straight face when we did the musical number. Oh. She had a lot of fun. Um, <laughs> uh, yeah, it's, I mean, it's, it's an epic. It is, it is a big epic of unrequited love and redemption and show business and porn. And um, it's also a Venice beach story. So it's like, I got that. Okay. The tie in. Yeah. You know, uh, it's also about how brutal Hollywood can be, because it can be. Um, I mean, you're again, you're free to ask what questions you like. And I'll... is well, with a musical number, I have to ask: Is this one of the most ambitious movies that you've done so far? I mean, a musical number or anything like that, I can imagine, definitely has to change the feelings a little. I, I mean, 
I've been dying to make, I made a musical when I, I when I stopped taking Benicula, I did a musical in my senior year of high school of Faust, which also was set in Venice. So it's not like Venice. Is <laughs> it was a rock opera, like Tommy, you know, a Ken Russell-esque thing. But, um, wow. Okay. This like, is amazing. I need to do a musical. Um, is this the most ambitious? I don't, I want to say no. I want to okay. say Lake was more because that was, we were shooting, you know, out of state. We had to do, I mean, in this film, we jump back to, to the nineties, but a lot of it takes place today, but the nineties is not 1881. Yeah. You know, there's, there's a bit of a different Todd Tarantula was more ambitious. Todd Tarantula had, I mean, a, a lot going on in that, you know, you're, you're jumping around in time in that one too. And, and then creatures and different things are going on and, and stuff. Uh, this is a very character-driven films that that have been touchstones for me for this. I mean, is a is a bit Fellini-esque, um, at least in the years and years and years of myself and Nate, you know, developing it and writing it, and rewriting it. But you know, the Big Lebowski or um, the '80s, 1983 version of Breathless with Richard Gere. Um, it's uh, a little bit of get him to the Greek. It's more in the, that. Okay. Kind of, yes. Yes. Worlds. Uh, so Ooh. is it the most ambitious? I don't, I don't think so because it's, we're, we're shooting here. There's no effects. There's no blue screen. There's no, you know, I mean, the, there's, there's, a, there's a lot of scenes. There's a lot of characters. There's like 50 some speaking roles. Wow. Wow. So, wow. Um, it's ambitious in the sense that, you know, how we're shooting it, uh, you know, we're shooting it on a red Komodo with anamorphic lenses. It just it looks so rich. And um, it's, uh, it's not as down and dirty as, as, uh, as, I, as I would say, you know, Todd Tarantula is a little down and dirty. Yes. Yes. Um, Grittiness. Yeah. Um, but in terms of like the story and, and the, the storytelling, no, I would, I would say Loon Lake was probably more ambitious and more complex this is, you know, manageable. Practical, like you're saying, everything's yeah. practical. Locations. Yeah. When is your when is your? I haven't release? cried in the edit. Like I cried editing Tom Tarantula oh. in frustration. <laughs> oh, in frustration! I'm like, oh, you had such a moving. Oh, <laughs> no, 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 it was so. frustrating. It was a frustrating movie. Oh, um, you do one of the uh, hands yeah. up in, in no, disgust, <sighs> like that. Um. I'm sorry, I interrupted. Oh no, no. Um so timeline wise, when is the great Nick D potentially no. coming out? Yeah. Um, I would say I mean we wanted to do the festival circuit. I mean, also the, the whole industry is in shambles, it's in chaos. Yeah. Um, so film festivals we, I mean, luckily we are not affiliated with the AMPTP. We are a true independent production. Um but you know the state i don't ideally the plan is was still is to begin with the festival circuit in you know early 2024 um we'll have to see because you know actors have to be allowed to promote and talk about it and that's you know currently an issue um with the sag strike um and uh so in an ideal world 2024 uh the festival circuits and then you know it'll come out at some point that year 
Uh, I'm very proud. I'm, I've had so much fun making this film. A lot more fun than making Todd Tarantula, I will admit. Wow. And um, it's just so, it's different. It's it's a breath of fresh air the way that Willem lives is a breath of fresh air. And um, and I mean, we've, we've been so lucky with the, the entire cast, not just with the Shadows cast or with the names, with, with everybody across the board. They've all just been like perfect. They've been exactly the people that we have had dreamt of when we were writing and the locations that we've been getting. And, um, you know, it's, it's, it's been really, I'm going to be, you know, uh, it's, it's really fun. So what are you probably potentially working on now? I mean, are you already thinking of something in your head for the next, the next movie? Oh yeah. yeah. Um, I still want to do, we were going to do it just before COVID the Dunwich horror based on Lovecraft's story. I wanted to do that since I was 11 years old. Um, we have a great script. Great script. We'll see. Uh, I also have, there's a, a short film that was part of uh, my Theater Fantastique series, Madame Le Sir. Yeah, Yes, which I didn't even get to bring up. Another colorful, beautifully shot film. Yeah, thank you. Thank you. Um, so I have, I have two feature film scripts for that two different adventures of, of Madame Lasseur. Um, one of them is a little more expensive than the other, <laughs> but uh, you know, any of those would be fun. I'd also love to do either a Nick D TV series or a, another movie. I mean, we've constantly been talking, we've been talking about it for years, which has also been really cool because, it, you know, Todd Tarantula had been in development for years and years and years. And so when we finally did it, it was neat to see, all right, well, here are these characters, the script, had evolved a bit since its initial incarnation. So things were kind of different, but it was still that. Right. But this, the script has pretty much been as planned. And so now we've like, we, you know, we did scenes and we're like, wow, we always pictured it here. And then this character would show up and do this. And that's literally how it happened. And it's very surreal to see that come to life. And then you're like, we're never going to film that again. We're never going to think about that again. Like that aspect has been interesting of like, we shot this scene. We shot all this stuff with this character. We're never going to talk about this character again, or wonder who's that person going to be, or what's it going to look like? Cause it's done. Um, but it's been even more gratifying because it's been exactly how we've pictured it for a decade. So we had, we had so many ideas to go on, you know, and do a series or another film or, couple films so it'd be fun so much fun ansel i literally have probably another two hours worth of stuff to to ask you and i could probably do a whole episode with dark shadows one day if you ever wanted to come back and talk about that yeah, um dead. i have stories <laughs> oh my god oh and we will have ansel's links of course in the description wherever you're listening to this if you're listening to the audio version in the in the bio would you say your your official website ansel would be the best place for yeah for to... anybody to, to to find anything you won't find the Banicula movies on there but you'll find <laughs> you will find everything else um the streaming links the dvd links the blu-ray links um it's all on hollandsworth productions and uh there's also my i mean what you can watch my YouTube channel is also like linked into that website. So yeah, Hollinsworth Productions is the the place to go. Which, by the way, I was gonna. One of my questions was, where did the name come from? It's my middle name. Is that the age? 
It's my oh, middle name. What a grand middle name you have there. When I was, when I was a kid, uh, you know, you'd watch Universal Monster movies and you'd see the, the Universal logo. And, the, and I was like, well, okay, if I'm going to do this when I was really young, if I'm going to do this, I need a logo because it can't be Universal. And so then I, I just took my middle name and I, you know, I'm half Irish. So I drew a shamrock. And then I drew a blue box around it, and I wrote Hollandsworth Productions in red marker, and then it just has been the logo. The evolution of the logo traveling back to an older project in the room. Oh, yeah, it has, it's a bit, it's, it's, that's true. That's actually true. I didn't even think about that. Yeah. <laughs> the latest one, beautiful how it just comes, it, it, you know, the squares are forming on the, on the logo. So good. I can't thank you enough for this. Thank you. I am just, like I said, floored. There's so much to talk about with you. I hope, Radical Ones, you enjoyed this as much as I did. I, I am just giddy. If you can't see my face, I am smiling. This truly was just an amazing conversation. Thank you so much. Thank you. you know, I'm, I'm happy that I was coherent, <laughs> Ryan. <laughs> you were coherent, and I threw so much at you, and you just kept, you kept going. It was fun. It was fun. Anytime. Anytime. Thank you so much. And uh, again, check the links below. Please take a look out for the great Nick D. When the film comes out, if you are following us on Instagram, I will definitely give information out about where you could view that and potentially purchase it in the future. Oh, yeah. There will um, be a Blu-ray. There will be. To add to the physical media collection. Yeah. An eye out for that, Radical Ones. Thank you again, and uh, we will see you next time. Bye. Bye.